it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Kapalan, 
Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG Guys. Hello and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast, where we explore the omni-channel digital journey of brands and retailers. I'm your co-host, PVSB. My co-host, Sri Rajkapalan, recorded this episode at CES in January of 2023. His guests, Jeff Malmud, host of the Retail Media Minute from Mindshare, and his colleague, Lauren Lavin from Group M. Before we get to our guests, I want to remind our audience to visit cpgguys.com, where you will find links to our podcast on all major platforms. And if you're not already doing so, please, please, please follow us on LinkedIn, where we publish new content each and every day of the week, even on weekends. Thank you to the 20,000 people who follow us on LinkedIn. Please also subscribe to the other podcasts in our collective, including the FMCG Guys, CPG Scoop, and the newest edition, CPG Guys Fast Forward, starring our very own Brian Gildenberg. And of course, we're proud to be sponsors of Next Up, formerly Network of Executive Women, whose mission it is to advance all women in business and to promote gender equality in the workplace. The digital liner notes of this episode contain hyperlinks to our site, the other collective podcast sites, our LinkedIn page, and our landing page on Next Up site. Without any further ado, let's go to Shri in Las Vegas, where he speaks with Lauren and Jeff. Jeff, a dear friend of the, and host of the Retail Media Minute Tuesdays on the CPG guys. That's right. Great. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. And Lauren from Group M, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Our audience will love to know a little bit more about both of you. So Jeff, if you can take sure. a minute, introduce yourself, what sure. you actually do. And um, I'll ask you to do the same. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Shuri. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, everybody. Uh, hi, Jeff Malmet, Global Head of Commerce at Mindshare. I work across uh, the Mindshare organization on a global level, helping clients understand and how to navigate the complexities of, of the commerce landscape, specifically as it relates to retail media. Um, been doing this for many, many years. I've been um, helping build out teams and building out ways of working and helping different teams uh, elevate themselves day in and day out in terms of driving driving performance for brands uh, across a plethora of clients from CPG to, to auto to anything you could think about that you need to buy a product somewhere, we, we, we're, we're pushing that and making it happen. Awesome. And Lauren? Yes. I'm Lauren Ladman. I lead commerce specifically for North America at Group M, so agency side. Um, my history has been working client side, actually really seeing retail media come to where it is at today. So, uh, leading those teams, working very closely with brand teams and sales teams on the client side, uh, running performance media now on the agency side. So, uh, my role is really to make sure that, um, across all of our agencies at Group M that we are staying as up to date as possible in this kind of wild, wild west environment of retail media. It's moving very quickly. Um, making sure that everyone is super up-to-date on the changes, um, what's available, democratizing all the data for all of our clients to make sure that everyone is on the same page, holding all of our partners accountable, working on roadmaps for them uh, as far as uh, what their next venture is going to be and the products uh, that they will be coming out with. Um, so really exciting times, super fast-paced, um, and it's great. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, with which brands did you actually work with? Because I thought you worked for some of the most e-commerce penetrated brands. Uh, yeah, so my previous role was at Newell Brands, uh, which has about 100 uh, 
very commonly known uh, household brands from Yankee Candle to Grego Car Seats to Calphalon, Mr. Coffee, very vast portfolio, um, very high econ penetration. They actually uh, made a e-commerce uh, group separately uh, for the company in 2017. So I was one of the founding members or, or first employees uh, there. And we really stood that stood up e-commerce um, for that company very quickly, which was great for when the pandemic happened. So everything was was ready to go. Um, really, like sort of ahead of their time as far as uh, getting all of that stood up and making sure that it was a super big priority for the company. Uh, we were a little bit of almost like a like a self-starting uh, incubated team there that really was able to just work very quickly and, and really get all of that moving. And then before that, I worked at L'Oreal, which obviously has a ton of brands, which we all know, um, also very highly e-commerce penetrated and, and again, did super well during COVID um, as well. So, yeah. So, feel intimidated. I got yeah. two experts. <laughs> right and left. And I also got an e-commerce captain over here. Yeah. Right so, uh, my, my first question is the obvious. You know, all three of us who are recently at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, one of the biggest things I noticed at uh, the Consumer Electronics Show is traditionally it's been a lot about wearables, devices, data that comes out of it for CPG companies, those are the big aha moments. This CS felt a little different. It was all about media period. And of course, the world that three of us live in, I filter that down to retail media. The largest retailers in the, retailers in the world, Walmart, Connect, Google yeah. Position, yeah. Marketing, yeah. Instacart, Uber, Ads, yeah. everybody was at CES. So Jeff, let me kick this off with you. Sure. So I make such a big term, put it out there, everybody was at CES and retail media is the next thing. What does that mean to a guy like you, deeply experienced in the space? You and I have been preaching yeah. quite some time. Right. It was extre- it's extremely enlightening and exciting to see Art here talking about and hosting and doing different meetings as it relates to what's going on from a retail perspective. What are the different opportunities that exist? Who are the partners that are your traditional digital publishers as well as your retail publishers coming together to talk about what the future looks like? And based on that, I got really excited. I know a lot of people got excited because we, we talk about retail media, you know, retail media is media. And when you think about all the different capabilities that exist in the space, specifically when you look at the consumer's omni-channel journey and being able to reach those consumers throughout the course of, you know, their given day, having the retailers here and hear from us firsthand and from brands firsthand, like what's important to them is extremely important. And I was really happy to see many of the different retailers here physically and having meetings with many of them talking about what is what does the future look like and how do we work better together? And I think you know that's that's a theme we like to talk about. Um, you go fast alone and you go, you know, you go far you go further together. And when you think about how fast you go, historically, we've been very good at like execute, 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 strategically execute, optimize, drive outcomes. Um, where we need to go further together in the future is how do we then connect with brand teams? So it was nice to have a lot of our brand colleagues here with us to connect with the retailers to learn about their offerings. Because when that's happening, you think about the performance aspect of it, but how do you build a brand and long-term sustainability there and brand health metrics? So them hearing about what's important to the retailer and the retailer hearing directly from the brand and the folks that we work closely with day in and day out. 
is that helps overall drive what the strategy looks like moving ahead and how do we become more creative from what we do from a media standpoint. So one of the things I noticed as Jeff has rightly pointed out is brands did not just come here with the purpose of seeing variables, walking the show floor, yeah. or seeing what's next on the consumer side. It came here to understand, embrace, and talk to retailers on the retail media side. Yeah. Given this is one of the things you do with Blue Friends, yeah. how do you feel? Is this the moment? If you notice a ton of brands here, mm-hmm. and the meaningful conversations between brand and retail media take place, because traditionally, retail media has been the four-day of sales season. Right? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting inflection point, and this came across probably in all the meetings that we had this week of when you think of traditional sales teams working with retailers, you're working with supply chain and you're you're managing uh, purchase orders, and that, that's the relationship. When you think about Amazon 10 years ago, they are a, they're a technology company. And so that's really how I think all of this ties super well together, especially at CES. You then see partners like Walmart and Kroger investing heavily right into technology platforms, which is now retail media. So our brands used to be suppliers for all of these retailers, and now they're also clients. And so that is sort of where, as an agency, um, it is our responsibility to, to sort of manage that relationship and help in that relationship because it can put brands in an awkward position um, to be both right supplying and a client of one partner. And it's up to us to really be sure that from a third-party lens perspective that we're holding all of these retail partners and their media networks accountable um, to meeting the standards that we would hold any other publisher to, right? And so that was sort of a lot of the... A lot of the um, I think discussions this week were moving from on a sales team, I need to spend X amount of money with this partner uh, based on a GDP commitment or an endeavor that we have, and really now moving towards, okay, this is what we're going to spend together. How are we going to spend it? And that we're truly making very purposeful decisions on where we invest it that is actually going to drive business growth. What, whatever my objectives are for the next year, does it sales, market share, uh, margin development, whatever those things are, how is this contributing to that? And how are you going to prove that back to me, right? Like, what is your metrics? What is your measurement? Am I going to get it timely? Is it going to be correct? And like, how? what's the rigor behind us looking at all of this to make sure that we're actually growing together? And I think that's sort of the change where it used to be, I don't want to say pay to play, but it, it was a little bit of that um, years ago, it's really moving yeah, into... It's definitely paid play because yeah. everything is going from you. Yeah. Yes. And now it's really moving into how does this all work in harmony together? How do we have yeah. always on? How do we now have connected TV? We're yeah. doing awareness. Like how does this all come together? And then how are we looking at this holistically from a measurement perspective to make sure that we're getting business objectives and it's the right, it's the right channel next? So Jeff... She talked about metrics yeah. and measurement. That's obviously a big piece of this because without measuring retail media outcomes, the investments are just not going to show up at the table. But I'm going to ask you the dirty question of this episode. Okay. Right? And I've, you and I and Peter have often talked about this dirty question, right? Is retail media media? And then should the me- because the metrics have always been lower from how many cases in the actual I know. I believe if retail media is media, this is the only vehicle that allows full funnel marketing. There's going to be certain opportunities for retail media, whether it's brand, might, uh, innovation. Yeah. It might be about awareness, impressions. 
yeah, and target impressions, precision marketing, as opposed to humans. That's going to make sales extremely uncomfortable. Is that the right thing to do? Is it full? The way, the way we're looking at it, the way we need to go, specifically as it relates to retail media, is, you know, we look at it as retail media, as I said, is media. And what we're also talking to our... So we're declaring... Retail media is media. Retail media is media. 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 We're good? There we go. Yeah. There we go. Love it. You already did on the CPG, guys. There you go. No more, no more fighting us on that one. Yeah. The industry needs to hear you most clear. So that that's what's happening. And the other thing, too, and I'll get to the measurement component in a bit, but I, I do think it's really important. And we're having the conversations with the retailers. We need the retailers to work with the traditional digital publishers. Uh, so can you give some examples? Um, let's say, so when I, when I look at a lot of the retail destinations, like there's only so much inventory. Right. That they have so like retail.com. It's retail.com. So if I'm going to retail.com and listen, everybody, all retailers do a great job from a, from a providing consumers in the marketplace with products day in and day out, right? So you're going to have, you know, scale and you're going to have a ton of people going to certain sites like an Amazon or Walmart. And then you're not going to have, you know, you'll have some people, but not as many going to other yes. you know, long tail grocery stores, but especially the really important, the regionals. So, so when you think about that, you think about even even the regionals. A good example is like how does the regional then expand that inventory and that pool? They have great data, right? They have all that first party data of consumers that are purchasing the product with their loyalty card. So, they should be partnering with traditional digital publishers. I'll throw this out there. Um, you know, Dot Dash Meredith, right? They have a great. They have so much great content, and because of that, like, what are the different things that those local regional groceries should do? To partner with you know established brands like that because you're not going to get the traffic there, you're going to get the traffic somewhere else. Now I understand like the DSPs and they do all that stuff and the target. Actually, that was going to be my follow up. Yeah. What I hear you say is retail media needs to think of themselves as DSPs and offsite needs to be as important as them. So yeah, offsite is extremely important, and we see offsite driving results. We see DSP driving results, but what we what we get so caught up in is like the bidding and buying. So we, we like to talk about like we we bid and buy all the time, but we're not creating and capitalizing as much as we should, right? Yeah. So I was going to ask you a bid and buy question because there's so much stress, and maybe I'll ask you on this. Yeah. What's the buying mechanism? Like, is it first price auction, second price auction? There's an obsession over second price auction, but some of the retail media companies that talked to me yesterday actually going to declare and say I'm walking out of the second price auction formula very large and actually. What do you think about media buying? Like, do we need to get this obsessed? Is it first price auction or second price auction? Or can we let companies go and say, hey, that retail media companies will make that decision? Brands need to learn to work in that format with the agency advice. I think it's interesting. I think we get very caught up on CPMs, CPCs in, in thinking about traditional media. But where it's different from a retail perspective is the data and the audiences, right? So I think it's less about um, trying to drive down costs and, and have it as cheap as possible. Um, in, a, in a buying auction for search, you, you would want it, right, to be, because there's not targeting, right? Like you're just in an auction, so that is something that you want to have as much efficiency as so possible. you are recommending second price. Yes. Gotcha. Um, so I think in... In that model, that works from when you go off-site and you're really starting to work to, to look at who my audience is and how do I go about them. 
you're, you're ultimately getting rid of the waste that traditional media has, right? Because you're using this data that these retailers have that are saying, this person looked at your product, they did not buy. This person used to buy your product, now they don't. This is Gen Z, this is where you're trying to go to. You're really honing in on that, and so you're going to pay a premium sure. for that. I think then where it comes back to is looking at the measurement and the metrics, is it worth the premium that we're paying, right? And so that's where so much talk this week about incrementality yeah. and making sure that um, we're capturing people that we're already going to buy that aren't already brand loyal. Of course, there is a, a need to keep them and retain them as a, as a customer, but really the acquisition and how we're going about that and how we are um, making sure that that money is working as hard as possible for us. So take on another tough one yeah. head on over there. Now, I was lucky enough when I left corporate America to work to do my own marketing, so I had to log to yeah. Facebook by my own money. Yeah. So I'm very familiar with the sales leader in like the CTC world. Yeah. Sales people are not, they don't even know what that means. And the converse, if I flip it, mm-hmm. marketing folks, it means the retail media is media, marketing folks should be the origination of all of this. And then sales executes it because of the retail relationships. But even though some of those shopper marketing people might send them, but within a, isn't this the birth of a holy war? Because in the world that exists today, yeah. sales is only so they're never obsessed about CPC, CPM, any of this stuff whatsoever, because all they've cared for is the lower funnel growers. Mm-hmm. I disagree though, I should be a metric you and I debated it. You gave birth to the yeah. I feel like you and I gave birth to the word either as. Yeah. But now if retail media is media and marketing's gonna own this, that CPC Maniacal obsession is going to come right into the mix. Yeah. And so, what is right? Is it lower funnel metrics like IOS, incrementality? Is it the upper funnel, like if you don't buy it right and get the right CPC, CPM in the first place, you're screwed anyway? Like, what's right over here? And that's going to be a little bit of a holy war because I can see selling and marketing disagreeing. Yeah. I think um, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot there that we think about what the opportunities are. Lauren and I were talking about this earlier today. There, there is a fundamental mentality about being an entrepreneurial self-starter, to your point, being hands-on, being in the trenches to understand exactly you know, how do I drive the outcomes I need to drive on a day-to-day basis to hit my goals. And I think the only way you really, truly learn that, you're talking, is like doing it yourself. Um, so there's the... Yeah, Jeff, that is a stretch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. Right, but I do think that it's a training, right? Like I, I, marketers traditionally have not been trained on managing retail relationships, and conversely, sales yep. has been absent from the marketing world. Like it's easy for sales to say, your job is to drive the impressions of the acquisition. My job is to get the deals. So what are you doing in that situation? Well, I think a good where where we are today, we are physically at CBS in the sense that you know going back to the original question. Seeing here, and you know, we tell media is here, and all these media folks are coming together um, in, in Las Vegas for this event. You know, the good news is it, it's it goes back to like we're going further together now as a team. And when you agree, when when you connect there through what we're doing from a media perspective, and we have the different partners, you have brand people meeting retailers and retailers meeting traditional digital publishers to come together to help solve that. Um, I think it's an education thing. And I know we've done a ton of internal education, day in and day out, you know, resources, people go all the time, you have like, dashboards, you can see anything you want to know about any retailer that exists. 
uh, which is fantastic. And we encourage people to do that. So we have a lot of self-starters now raising their hand because they see where the future is going, right? And they see that you need to be entrepreneurial, outcome-focused, and brand-focused, too, and leverage your creativity. Because this is the most exciting space to be in right now, in my personal opinion. Um, biased, though, but, like, I love what we're doing. I love it. Yeah. It's like that, the, the excitement, the understanding, and we're creating a whole new world right now, working collectively together across teams. So everybody needs to come together. I don't want to be like, oh, kumbaya, but we all need to come together to make this work. And so, Lauren, you chatted a little bit about not all regions in your platform that can be open. The super regionals here are not going to have the same eyeballs, obviously, as the national ones. Yeah. Right? So, what would you recommend a brand does? Because one, one other thing that three of us noticed in that CES was every retailer has a retail media. Yeah. Now. And um, so, this old way of how sales things are starting to get born, retail media is a percentage of. Here. That's how the whole trade ecosystem was set up. It actually works for trade for a variety of reasons. Yeah. It's been optimized and shaped over a hundred years. <clears throat> what do you advise a brand? Like, how do you think about investments on retail media, especially if it should be all about brand equity and brand decisions? Which I'm going to come back to you and ask you about the mix in one second. But what would you advise a brand? How do you think about investment? Because all of these are not paid people. Yeah, so we actually, I mean, we have partners and clients that work with over 40 retail media networks um, alone. And so we, again, as an agency, are tracking all their capabilities, uh, how far along they are from a maturity standpoint, because they absolutely are not all created equally. Some have been around for 10 years, others two months. Um, they leverage different partners to try to stand it up as fast as possible. Two months ones, the babies are asking for the same attention as the 10 Exactly. Giants, right? yes, yes, because they have data, and therefore they they believe that they should be in the game just as everybody else is. But the technology, you know, as we talked about, again, is, does not always follow that. I think from our we go through a pretty rigorous look on being sure that we are, and everything's moving very quickly, right? So also, what you have today in three months yeah. could be different, right? So yeah. all the capabilities are growing, and so we are keeping track of that, and we score all of our retail media partners based on that, based on what their buying model is, based on their data, based on the yeah. metrics. Are you guys thinking as an agency that's been here for a hundred years and one of the premier agencies in the entire world, are you thinking of creating some sort of an index that's to the score where you can yeah. say, hey, this retailer is at 87, that one is a yes. 44. It's merely an index that's used as a reference for brands we think of. And so we are, yes, we have that. We're building it out right now. It's something that we are we are giving to all of our clients. Again, back to the democratizing data. Yeah. We feel like all of our clients should have this as a tool to be able to give to their sales teams or their trade teams or their brand teams, whoever's going into these discussions, to arm them so that they are aware of where that maybe smaller gas station or whatever it is, where they rank in, in terms of others, so they can have a discussion with them and we, we give them that data that says, you know, this is where you're at and we need to see progress in X, Y, and Z before we commit that amount of money you know, to you. We want to invite you back on the CPG guys and we're going to do a 10-minute segment where we'd love for you to explain what the next stage yeah. means, how, yeah. how a brand should understand it. Yeah. This is a great thing. Like yeah. Something in your back pocket that says it's an 87 or 44 is easy decision yeah. making. Which obviously now drives the question. Retail media is media, MMA, marketing mix, these are all traditional words that come from marketing. 
should greater media be positive mix in the planning cycle as an agency? What are you doing to ensure that it is indeed a positive material? So, yes, it should be positive mix. Okay, thank you. Yes. You guys heard it here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Retail media should be part of the market. It's, it's end of story. End of story. End of story. It should okay. be part of annual planning. Like yeah. it should absolutely, whenever you're going through your annual planning exercise, retail awesome. media yeah. and retail needs to be part of that discussion. End of yeah. story. So, yeah. how do you do that? For so, for what we're doing now is, in, when you look at the team structures in the past, teams have been you know, like, you know, commerce team here. You have a social team here, you have a search team here, and what we've done now is. We're, we have holistic teams, right? The team mm-hmm. focuses on how do we drive outcomes for the brand across all the different KPIs that we have, right? So understanding that we have one team that focuses on one client and then the brands within that client, and then we have teams that also focus on the retailer and give that retailer the, you know, the, the premier service because we know retailers and Brands overall, there's a strong copies relationship that have been that have been in place for many, many years. And it's extremely important that you know we still that relationship helps drive the outcomes that we need. So working closely with the retailers, working closely with the holistic teams that we have, understanding the data, understanding exactly from an outcomes perspective, what are the sales goals? And then how do we help drive those sales goals based on the different tactics that we have within the marketing mix and what should we be spending across search, social, display, TV to come out with those What I'm hearing you say is, this is not a drop of the surface, let's get into the marketing, let's get more into the bitter details of tactics. Yes. Yeah. Um, we like to say we're tactically tenacious and strategically sound. Is this the year... As you go through the planning cycles, like um, my assumption is a lot of this happened in the last three months, and is this the year the industry is going to see the change where it's in the mix? Yes. And I, I think what you're seeing right now is that your your retail media body is evolving into your overall media body. Next one's for you. Yeah. Multi-touch attribution, my favorite word mm-hmm. in this retail media ecosystem. Multi-touch attribution was hard enough without retail media. Yeah. And we have the naysayers and sales across the board. Yeah. Being one of them. Yeah. Um, now we've added this new mix into the ecosystem with all these different tactics on retail platforms. And again, no one's created equal. That makes it even more hard. Yeah. What does multi-touch attribution even mean? Because we know that logic, just plain general knowledge would say, yeah. if you run a campaign on Amazon ads, there is a halo that you might get on yeah, because someone's standing in front of the wakeful aisle, looking at an Amazon app, looking at it, looking at the views, and then that. Yeah. So how can you do this? Yeah, I think it's. I think um, one of the things that has come out of digital media and having that data available at your fingertips almost has created a paralysis, or like going back to your ROAS conversation a little bit of like these short-term fixes, right? And everyone's like, how, how did it perform today? Looking yeah. optimized for tomorrow. And I think it's really important that when you're doing your planning, and, it, and it's part of the larger media mix, because you are looking at sort of what your, what your brand objective is for the following year, and you make your media plan based on that, I think it's important to take a step back and look at how the media is working holistically for for however whatever your objective is, right? So 
Yes, the, the attribution look back windows, it's three days on one retailer, 14 on another, 30 on another. Nobody even knows they're comparing, realizes that the math is not the same. Um, so it's important to sort of take a step back and look at that. I think with all the data that is available, you need to look at different cuts of it, right? Like, so there's ways that you can look at it um, to make sure that you're running efficiently and that you're optimizing as correctly as possible, but then you kind of have to take another cut at it and, make a, and take a look at how is, how is this performing holistically? How is my total sales looking? Um, is there an opportunity um, to go after a competitor somewhere? Or like really thinking about it a little bit more strategically than yeah. super like day-to-day, uh, just like making sure that the numbers are as good as possible. It really has to be, um, and that's where the partnership comes in between. I look at us as like this, this holy trinity of brand sales and media yep. and we're we're like in the middle of it and we're the we're what can tie that together um as much as possible and make sure that you know every brand like to to what is retail media media all advertising is selling so a service or a good like the point of it is is to have people know and take action in support of that brand and so it's funny that you asked is retail media media like what what media isn't commerce media really because like that's you're ultimately trying to drive consumer behavior um, oh lauren having <laughs> been in this industry 30 years arguably you haven't yeah i can tell you about boardroom wars of thought about yes. media being more funny than that so. yeah yeah no i totally like i totally understand i've i've been in those meetings as well it's just a different it's getting that mindset changed and it's slow. It's but I'm I'm secretly thrilled to yeah. hear an agency leader of commerce actually say what media should be commerce. Like as a sales yeah. captain yeah. that I've been for three decades, that's like music I mean you saw it in the Super Bowl, right? You can put a QR yeah. commercial a QR code yep. on a commercial that becomes commerce media. Yeah. There should be point. zero media in today's day and age which doesn't have a CTA. It will be I would say that the, all surfaces, all display assets are shoppable in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And the ability for consumers who have this device in their pocket, like where are the days, seven days a week, to connect with some sort of brand in some way, shape, or form, you know, building that brand equity in the palm of your hand is is here. It's, you know, and we've, we've seen it for quite some time, but when I go into a store now, I'm searching for products because I need to know what aisle the specific products mm-hmm. in. And being able to then reinforce my brand or direct them somewhere else or give them an offer because this is what I'm looking for. And to me, you know, we're we're at a point where the ability to connect with consumers in unique ways, leveraging the data, driving that personalization, and then measuring the outcomes is you know is instantaneous. And when you look at you know, what you're seeing right now of artificial intelligence and automation. And the ability to optimize different creative sizes pretty much in real time. Um, you know, the, the opportunities are great for brands of all sizes. So the opportunity word, what it triggers in my head is most of the big brands in the United States are now on a journey of dealing with customer data platform. Ever since the Apple, Google, privacy, cookie mm-hmm. announcement, now it hasn't played out in real life. But ever since that happened, it spooked every single brand that, oh my gosh, I can't do retargeting, I can't do position marketing. Everyone's chasing the customer data platform. Yeah. Is this a good thing? Is it just absolutely wildly crazy that brands, every mm-hmm. single one wants its own customer data platform and then 
fill position marketing on the basis of that, wasn't it just so much more easier and logical to have the Googles and the Apples and the Yahoo's chase this and Facebook's? Yeah, I think that I can take it. I think it's it's hard for um, brands to not know anything about their customer and not feel like they have learned. But they've over thrived that. in over a hundred years without yes. knowing. I won't say anything, right? Much. Yeah. Because Nielsen and I made it too easy for the business. Yes. Yeah, I think that we've had a lot of conversations come to us as to I'm a, I'm a traditional CPG. Um, company, should I have D2C sites? And should I be standing this up in order to get customer data? That is a very large undertaking to create a new sales channel. It is often not a profitable uh, undertaking if you are selling your ASPs or, you know, below $50 um, to take on that shipping, to take on that, yeah. yeah. Don't quote me on that. I kind of just no, I, I, I actually uh, agree with you. That's the number because after shipping costs, cost of goods sold, yeah. I've found in my own personal journey that it needs to be a big number. Yeah, I mean, even Amazon sort of you know started saying, well, we need to, yeah. our margins have to be you know somewhat I mean, okay to be shipping this or something. Very theoretically, without green price scan mechanism over the show, mm -hmm. but that means DC gets limited really skincare which have higher price points, apparel, fashion, electronics and their own, like the other categories you can do this. Yeah, it, like I would agree with that. I think there is some um, technology and we we had conversations with partners that are willing to almost um, fuel sort of a D2C um, technology on the back end for CPGs, knowing that um, it would be hard to stand up. So then leveraging right like their warehouses, their supply chain um, so things and being able to then um, have brands be able to have customer data, but not take on the investment costs of, of the logistics of what that is. So I think there'll be more coming um, from that standpoint. But you but see Lauren, that, let's yeah. just go back to the customer data platform. Yes. If you can't do BBC because of the whole ASP thing, mm -hmm. you can't really build that customer data platform. But I hear that word everywhere in the industry. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that if you if you are able to do it and you have uh, the technology and the resources in doing it, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's for everybody is sort of where I'm going with that. Um, and I think you, from our standpoint, right, and, and we work in retail media every day, they're raising their hands and saying, we have all we have all of your customer data, right? And so we are facilitating brands to buy their own customer data from the retailer, right? Like, and that's what, with all this going on with, with the meta changes and Apple and, and the cookie-less world, it's it's making retail media stronger because they still are collecting all that data and they, they have it and, and they're offering it back to brands to buy. And brands sort of are in a yeah. position where that's what they need to do right now. I think that, that it is becoming, we're moving towards into like, Clean rooms and, and other ways of us hey, being able. Hey, take a word. Clean rooms. Yeah. Buzzword. Um, Does that have anything to do with uh, using uh, products and improving them? Yes, yes, yeah. but yes, and so it's with, with anonymized data in there. Because my spouse always tells me I'm not good at maintaining a clean line. Yes. Well, that is the new buzzword, right? So that's everyone's sort of sandbox in which. Um, 
they feel like they can start start gathering insights, right, um, in those areas uh, without technically owning it, but it gives them a, a space to play um, with their consumer data and what's going on there. So that's really awesome. Another thing that's a hot topic, I think, for sure. Jokes apart, though, in my different conversations that I had at CEC and at CES with retail, clean rooms were offered on yeah. multiple locations. Yeah. So it was one that was really just to yeah, make everyone feel that they're in aura or safe space and yeah, uh, the PIDs would be dominant or bad customer, which makes all the sense. Makes sense. So, I actually think clean rooms is here today. Mm -hmm. It's not a technology in the future. People seem to exploit it. Yeah. It's now only go back to the markets question. Yeah. Measuring success for the Upper funnel, lower funnel, what should a brand obsess over? Is it the CPC and CPM? Or is it the ROAS and the ROAS? And what would be the one magic metric to tell everybody lower than seven? Yeah, I mean, I, we talk about incrementality all the time. So it's the incrementality component. So ROAS is a core measure thing. We have to make sure we're driving the So ROAS. But overall, I would say that working closely with the analytics teams and working closely with, you know, Lauren was talking about before attribution of windows and what's happening. We need to, as an industry, come together and help define what those specific components are because everybody has a different definition. Have you all, have you all as an agency started to develop idea models, starting to think about retail is now a component of the service data? Yeah, so we are, we are working closely with all of our analytics teams and data. So it goes back to the original. Everybody's coming together. Sure. So it goes from having silo teams to one team and a holistic team with a holistic data strategy, and that data strategy is going to help enable us from a measurement standpoint to drive those outcomes. So we have teams that focus specifically on what do we need to do in order to drive these outcomes for the brands day and day out based on your sales goals. Because we want to be able to say, okay, you have this goal in mind. How are we going to leverage different tactics in order to drive those outcomes? Whether that's through traditional television ads, whether that's through lower funnel, CPC, what are the things that we should be doing in order to make that happen? That's where the teams come into account, into account and help drive that day in, day out. But the big focus we've done, everybody, is there's going to be seven, eight metrics. You're going to have objective, yeah. but never compromise IROS. Never compromise IROS. And we did an analysis recently. The amount of ad units and the amount of tactics that one could leverage across the omni-channel journey I would say it's probably over a hundred. And if you looked at all the different touch points across that consumer journey, whether it's me opening up my phone, whether it's me sitting on my laptop at home, whether it's me walking down the street and seeing a digital billboard from the company that's selling it you know, out of home, there are so many different sizes that you could use and being able to understand how each of them are driving those outcomes, I think is really exciting specifically with a lot of automation and the AI and the smart people we have internally helping create different platforms in order to manage them. So as we wrap up the show, I'm going to ask both of you the same question. Yes, it's early 2023. Predictions. Predictions. I think we're going to see, um, for retail media specifically, I as, think as we're going to... If you think there's something else like Roblox is going to be the next thing, <laughs> yes, but I'll put it out there. Yeah, I think we're going to move into a lot more purposeful conversations yeah. around this area. And I think um, 
we're going to, it, I think we're going to have people really um, pushing back standardizations needing to be had. Um, and I think it's going to be a really exciting time because I think for these retailers, you know, if you want to you want to play in the space, you know, got to get your big boy pants on and yeah. and come yeah. and do it. And so I think that uh, that's sort of where we're at. I think and I, I think it's I mean, going to be exciting. It's also big girl. Yes. 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 Gender fluid. Yes. So yeah, I think it'll be a, a really exciting year. I think um, there'll be tough conversations, but I think it's really going to push the whole industry forward. And so my prediction is Tree is going to be um, because of the events of Lyman. And I think you're going to see that, that all that ambition that did last week. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't want to get on the field. Ever. No, no, no. The only yes. away is with the pass and just yes. Yeah. Yes. So I, I'm excited about what that brings because I think I've been throughout my career. I've seen work. I've seen trends, right? And I've seen different things. And I'll never forget what got me started in like really being into like mobile marketing before mobile marketing was a big thing was when I, when I held the iPhone in my hand and I was able to play marble match and move the marble around in my hand, right? On the screen. And that feeling that I got doing that, I'm like, okay, I get it now. Like, this, yeah, is, this is where I'm warning you dating myself. I'm dating myself. <laughs> I'm dating myself. No. Oh, I can tell you the first time I was blown away by technology is seeing my father and my uncle play Pong in the house on a TV and I'm like, oh my gosh, so you could do this? I'm so anyway. I'm I remember this crazy game that no one in my generation was able to let go. But Leisure Suit Larry and the yes. of the Lounge Lizard. Okay. I got. never completed I got through fifteen levels to yeah. the day it drives me crazy. I could not crack level sixteen. Okay. And there was no cheat codes then. I bet if you put in uh, put that in how do I beat so I do think that the uh, what's happening in that space, you need to look into it and you need to understand how it works and you need to understand how it's going to improve your business and you need to understand what that means for your business. So it's going to be a really exciting year in terms of what that holds and how does that also become leveraged by retail media partners um, and helping build out their search capability. Thank you, Jeff. So I purposefully said what my favorite game back as a kid was and you should play in the land of the love lizard in the yeah. land of the love lizard. Mm -hmm. But when I think back to it, his prediction is AI. Yes. That game in 1985 had AI. Yeah. That because you could tell it what to do, it would respond, and then you can skip on, you can move on to the next level. Yeah. Unbelievable, right? So I'm going to wrap it up with the last question of the Roblox. That word is everywhere. And everybody at Dolphin, like Pearson and Venus, is addicted to Roblox. There's many hundred bucks a day on Roblox. What is going on with Roblox? I want to have to update that one. I'm not on Roblox. Yeah, I'm not. I have no I just thought it's a word. Like, shame on me. I'm going to have to. It's interesting because my niece went through a Roblox phase where I was getting texts all the time. She was asking me to get her gift cards for Roblox. Because I figured she was probably asking her parents, and they said no. She so she asked on the Okay, yeah. So I, I do think that it's gonna, that platform, that you know, the metaverse experience and being in those virtual worlds is something that's not going away. It's always and it's always been here too. I can I can go back to like Second Life and be like, all right, well, you know, I was in that world exactly. experiencing. So you're just getting different versions of it. And in ten years, it could be Roblox. It could be something completely different. 
But we need to pay attention, right? And the reason I'm really asking this question is not Roblox. Should brands get? I think brands should definitely. I think the fact that consumers are there, that means brands should be there in some way, shape, or form. Whether that's testing and learning, whether that's doing big programs, whether that's working with influencers, whether that's creating your own your own environment. I do think that's important because you know you need to you need to learn, you need to build on those learnings, and if you're not in there day in and day out learning, you're just going to fall behind. Well, I think it's also recognizing that the next generation grew yes. up on that, like you. Referencing, we had some of it, but this is part of their daily lives, and that is part lives. of. And I think when we say metaverse, people start being like, "Oh, but Fortnite, you know, that all of that has been around." And but that is truly part of that generation's yes. lives. Like they don't, they're not going to see it as some alternate thing. That's just part of it. And so I think it, again, it's opening up just a, a new way that we're going to have to talk to consumers. And I think the reason why when these words come out, there's resistance in the industry in my generation. Yeah. Is still the primary shopper one of the decision making generation. And probably seven, eight years have been phased out. Millennials are 42 years old this year. Millennials, 42 yeah. years old. Yeah. In five years, they will be the primary shopper one. Yeah. I think we're going to have a great reset mm-hmm. where most of the conversations in the boardroom, outcomes, decisions, balance, mm-hmm. are going to be very focused. Yeah. With that, that's a wrap of this episode of the CPDS, Jeff. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. And Lauren, thank you for joining me today. You You guys are always welcome back on CPT Guys as we keep uncovering more about people media. Folks, we'll see you soon in another episode of CPT Guys. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.